Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. I want to start a series today. I'm going to be starting a mini-series. I call it a mini-series. It's only three parts and um, I'm going to be sharing over the next, this week and next week. And then you've got Peter Cavanaugh in for the third week. He's going to be finishing off the series on the third week on the 18th. But this series is called Transformed. How many want some transformation in your life? Transformation of situations, transformation in ourselves. And uh, I want to look at the work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know if we're a Pentecostal church and we believe what the Bible says, then we should believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, should be operative in our lives and changing us. The Bible says we'll go from glory to glory. You're not going to do that on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 12 verse 2, Paul said this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, Paul, when he wrote that in Romans 12, he did not expect you to transform yourself by yourself. I don't know about you, but if I ever see instructions on what to do and not what to do, if I ever get an instruction leaflet, you know, it's quite difficult sometimes to fulfill all the instructions, but God does not leave you the instructions to follow him and expect you to do it all on your own. He's given us his Holy Spirit. It was a gift given from heaven, and he died for the reason to save us, but also to send us that gift. Amen. And I want to encourage you today that there is, we, can, we can remember what Jesus did on the cross, but we can also be excited for what he's going to do through the resurrection life of his spirit. Amen. In our lives. Paul said this in Romans 5.17. He says that we'll reign in life. I don't know about you, but when, when I get up sometimes on a Monday morning and I'm, I'm challenged by the things of the week, I don't feel like I'm reigning in life. In, in Romans 8, it says that we're more than conquerors. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like I'm a conqueror. I don't feel like I'm conquering situations. And the problem is sometimes we can tend to do things in our own strength. We can tend to try and follow God and fulfill the Christian life in our own strength. But Galatians 5 says that we should what? Walk by the Spirit. It says that we should be, not only walk by the Spirit, but be led by the Spirit. And what is the result? That we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And we'll live in that resurrection life. John chapter 16 verse 7, Jesus said this, It is good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. That's the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. The English Standard Version says, doesn't say it is good for you that I'm going away. It says it is to your advantage that I'm going away. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty, if you were with Jesus and Jesus, the physical Jesus says to you, listen guys, it's for your advantage that I'm leaving you. I'd be saying, Jesus, you got this all wrong. 
But he says it's good. It's an advantage. Why? Because I'm going to send the advocate, the the parakletos, the Greek word, the, the one like me, another helper. Just like me. And I want to encourage you today, if you're here at church today and you've, you've walked in here and you're thinking, I don't feel like Jesus is in my life, is in my situations, is in the confusion of the stuff that's going on at the moment. Let me tell you, he is very present in your time of need. He's very much here today. He's closer than a brother. He's closer than the air you breathe. His spirit is here. Amen? I don't know about you, but I rejoice in that because I know that he didn't leave me as an orphan. That today I might not see him with my eyes, but by his spirit, he's here. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. I want to talk in this first session today in part one about being renewed by the spirit. Transformation that takes place. When we actually allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We don't rely on our own selves. I want to look in Acts chapter 9. And there's a bit of text to read. In verse 17. And this is where Paul, or I'm going to call him, if I interject between Paul and Saul, don't get confused. It's the same person. And he didn't just get a new name because he had an encounter. Acts chapter 13 says that he was called Paul and Saul. So if I say Saul, if I say Paul... It's the same person if you're wondering what I mean. But here we have this Damascus Road experience in Acts chapter 9 where Saul uh, meets with Jesus. He meets with the risen Savior on the road to Damascus. Now you've got to remember that, that Saul was the terrorist of the day. He was someone who hunted down Christians. you got to get this because when you're reading the Bible and you're reading all these amazing things that, that Paul says, you got to remember who he was. How many of you know that Paul used to kill Christians? He was there at the very execution to sign off for the execution of Stephen. It says that he used to go into places and force the Christians to blaspheme. He, he would do all these things. He, it says it, the, the Bible says that he was obsessed with persecuting Christians. Can I just say to you that before I even start today, that some of us sometimes when we see the persecutors, people who are against Christianity, you look at some of the worst terrorists out there today. Some of us are praying against these people. Let me tell you, do you know what? God's got his eye on them. Some of you have given up on them. You say, I don't like this ISIS people. I don't like what these people are doing against Christians. Let me tell you, God has his eye on them. Why? Because he loves them. Oh, but they killed people. Yes, Paul did. And you read his books. And so I want to talk to you today because I really believe that when God transforms someone's life, it's not about, it's not about what you did before that's going to determine your future. When he transforms a life... By the power of his spirit, it will change people. He will use you today. There are people here today, you say, my past is going to determine my future. No, your past won't determine your future. When he transforms you by the power of the Holy Spirit, when he does something new and fresh in your life, it's only by him. It's not by yourself. I'm starting to preach and I've not even read the text. Acts 9 in verse 17, we pick up here where Saul has had this amazing encounter. He's now been, he, he's now been blinded by this, so, so powerful. 
And then we see that Ananias comes to meet him, to pray over him, to lay his hands upon him, that he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. And then the rest is history. Amen. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. There you go. It's important that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, immediately, say immediately. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. There's no messing around here. There's no waiting on lists to get baptized. He's, he's up and he's baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful, come on, and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Then skip to verse 26. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. I'm not surprised. Not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in number. Before I even move on, I just want to point out verse 31. It says that the Holy Spirit encouraged them and they increased in number. They didn't live in fear of anything other than the Lord. They lived in fear of the Lord. And I want to encourage you today that sometimes we're looking to people to encourage us. We're looking to people to transform us. But do you know what? The Holy Spirit is the great encourager. And he encourages them, and then they increase in number. Paul's life here, we've just read it, was absolutely, totally transformed. I mean, we're talking about someone who goes from being a terrorist against Jesus, getting people to blaspheme Jesus' name, forcing them to do it, to all of a sudden, within three days, three days, a lot can happen in three days, three days, he's now preaching the name of Jesus. You see, when, when, when the Holy Spirit gets hold of someone, when the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you, listen, you don't have to go and do any three-year degree to learn this. You don't have to learn a three-year degree to get the Spirit of God working inside of you because a lot happens in three days. And he goes off and he's, he says he's blinded. In Acts chapter 26, when he's recounting this to King Agrippa, Paul, 
he talks about the fact that he goes there and he says that they came to me, Ananias came to me because he was praying in this vision. When God does something in your life, he can do a lot in three days. And he transforms him. And do you know that the problem is sometimes, and I've got, I understand this, but I don't know about you, I love the Holy Spirit, I love the move of God, and I've been in lots of revival type meetings, and I absolutely love it. But you know, one of the things is sometimes I hear the, the language of people, and they talk like the Holy Spirit is just some kind of, oh, they'll say, I got zapped by the Holy Spirit. Do you really want to get zapped by God? Oh, I just got, I got zapped. The power was so intense in that place. I got zapped by God. Listen, our meetings are not spiritual laser quest meetings. When you resort to the fact that the Holy Spirit is just a force and a power that you're getting zapped by. Listen, the Bible talks about it as a person. And I want to tell you this morning that if you think it's just about a power and someone getting zapped and a feeling, he's more than just goosebumps. He's more than just a rush. He's more than just a feeling in a fire tunnel. Come on. I've been under them fire tunnels. Someone said to me, go under the fire tunnel. I felt the presence of God. But listen to me. You can feel the presence of God in your home, washing the pots. You don't need a fire tunnel to make the Holy Spirit move on you. Let me tell you today, the power of the Holy Spirit works in me when I feel terrible. I don't need feelings. And so I want to encourage you today that when transformation comes, when Paul is experiencing this, it's so much deeper. It's so much deeper. Now, I, I love that when people say, you know, I got touched by that. I understand that. But listen, we've got to watch our language. We've got to watch that it's not, you know, you've got to get to this meeting because you're going to get zapped by the Holy Spirit. He's more than that. He's bigger than that. He's greater than that. And I think we're doing injustice to the work of the Holy Spirit when we put these kind of language sometimes on it, Ephesians 5.18, Paul, this is the Paul who used to be the terrorist. He says this, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, you've got to remember, in Acts chapter 2, they were kind of zapped in a big way because they all looked drunk. They all looked drunk. So if you're sometimes wondering when people are falling around on the floor and people might be joyfully laughing under the power of the Holy Ghost, it's because they might look a little bit drunk. And if they're drunk, they might fall down. And and I want to tell you something today. Some of us need to be intoxicated by the Holy Spirit again. Some of us need to say, do you know what? I'm tired of doing this thing on my own because transformation can't come through me and my own strength. But I'm just going to position myself like a funnel and I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, fill me up. Do whatever you want to. I know you're bigger than a little zap. I want you to fill me. Touch my life. Consume me with everything. I want to be drunk in the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you. And I'm not putting an injustice on him. I want him to fill me so that I do the things that he wants me to do. Most of the time I used to live with some drunk people when I was a student. And I kind of joined in with them at one time before I was a Christian. But I'd be sat in my lounge and they, they'd do all manner of things. I mean, I'd be sat there watching the TV and someone, all of a sudden I'd see someone walking past with a, a, a traffic cone. This was not normal. My friend used to come back with shopping baskets 
chopping trolleys. He'd come every time I knew he was home when he, he went up the side of the alley and I'd be sat watching the TV and I heard this massive bang as he used the bike to smash the to smash open the, the shed door to put his bike in. He didn't do it gently. I knew he'd had a drink. But the next day he couldn't remember any of this. And this is what we need to be like. Not that we shouldn't remember what we've done, but actually that the Holy Spirit consumes us so much that it changes our actions to be in line with the will of God. So that we don't do the things that we want to do, but we do the things that he wants us to do. Hallelujah. Come on. Some of us are so holding on to what we want to do with our lives. We're holding on to what our plans for our lives are. James chapter 4 says, don't boast about tomorrow. Don't boast about tomorrow. You need to be seeking after the God's will in your life. In other words, when it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18... It's actually talking about a continual experience. I really believe that the Holy Spirit wants to keep on filling us, filling us daily. We should be like a funnel position saying, Holy Spirit, come, consume me, do whatever you want to do with me. But I give my life to you. I surrender to your will. Do you know what I love about the Passion Translation in the footnotes? It says this in Ephesians 5.18. It says that we should be inebriated, inebriated in the Spirit's fullness. Come on. Lord, inebriate us. Inebriate this church. Come on. Stop, stop trying to chase after what you want. Say, Lord, inebriate me. Take hold of everything. My families. Everything about my family. You want to see transformation in your family? Then you get up tomorrow and say, God, even if you don't know what to pray, position yourself and say, inebriate me in your presence. Inebriate me in your spirit. So that I'm transformed. So that my family members see the transformation in me. Hallelujah. Some of us are praying for these things. We need to say, Lord, transform me first so that I can transform those around me. Do you know that that's one of the things, you know, sometimes some of our family members around us, and you've got, some people have got challenging situations now with family members. I just sense that. You've got challenging situations. And I really just want to encourage you today that the more you get into the presence of God, they're going to sense that. Listen, if the, if the presence of God can be on a handkerchief in the Bible, how much more in you? The Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Come on. You're the temple. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead resides in you. It dwells inside of you. At my kids, when they go to Tesco's, they love when they, every time we get to the end of the aisle, if anyone's ever seen, they've got the pick and mix. And my kids love to get the pick and mix. And it's so expensive. And I'm like, just get, just get the, the cheap things. And they're always, no, Dad, look, you can put in as much as you want. So we go down there and there's always like, it's always, can we have the biggest tub? And they're there. And do you know what? As a, as a northerner who likes a good deal, I always go up to them and I'm like, well, let me help you. Because you know what the kids do? They just chuck them in. Chuck them in. When I do it, I'm like, stay there, boys. And I'm cramming these things in. Because the thing says, it says if you pay four pounds, as long, you just, all you have to do is fill the tub. So I'm going to get as many as I can in this. The boys are like, Dad, you're going to break the tub. Sometimes it's bursting at the seams, and I'm pushing down with my hand. The boys are like, Dad, you're wrecking the sweets. Yeah, but I'm going to get you more, son. Just stick with me. Four pounds, I'm going to get eight pounds of sweets in this thing. 
pushing them down. And I get to the till, the whole thing's bulging. You can barely. I'm like it with the olives as well. If you like olives, just get as many olives. You, I, I challenge you. Even if they're crushed. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to cram your life. He wants to get hold of you. He wants to fill you so there's no room left for anything else that you want to go to. That you don't have to, we heard it last week from Chadira, that you don't have to drink from any other well. Come on. We don't have to go to any other place because we're so crammed. We're so filled. There's so much in us of the Holy Ghost that we're overflowing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That we're not just empty. There's not gaps. But we let the Holy Spirit fill every part. Imagine what we're going to be like as a church. You know, I want living stones that are crammed with the Holy Ghost. I'm in a good mood this morning. (laughs) Hallelujah. Next time you go to the pick and mix, say a little prayer. (laughs) Say, fill me, Lord, just like this. You'll You'll all be there at Bar Hill Tesco's tomorrow. Hallelujah. I want to just bring a few things today that I'm just going to share with you that I really believe that the Holy Spirit will do in the renewal process of transformation in our lives if we allow him to. Hallelujah. Number one, Holy Spirit renews our awareness of the world. Renews our awareness of the world. And Ananias said to Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it says, verse 18, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. Listen, when, I don't know about you, but when I got saved and I gave my life to Jesus and I really said that salvation prayer. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is part of that process of work in your life to give you faith. You're not necessarily filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. But the Holy Spirit from the beginning is working in that process. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I began to see the world very differently. Now, some people, when I talk to them about Jesus and I witness to them and I share Jesus, they like, they like to debate, but sometimes I just can't explain what, what it is that happened inside of me. But I don't know about you, but the Lord gives you a new lens. He gives you a new prescription, I remember when I got my glasses, I didn't realize how bad my eyesight was. But he gives us a new ability to see in a different way. And what happens, one of the first things that happens with with Saul is that he is blinded. But yes, when, when he prays for him, his sight comes back. But he sees differently. I, I put here that the Holy Spirit begins to reveal who God truly is and what the world truly isn't. You see, the thing is, is we put so much value on the world. And what happens is, God, by His Spirit, fills us. And we begin to see the world in a very, very different way. And I don't know about you today, but some of us, sometimes, we've been walking in the faith a long time. We've been walking the journey. And you get so tired by doing the things, the same things, all the time, week in, week out. And what happens is you lose that aspect of being filled with the Holy Spirit and you start to walk in your own strength. And what happens is you lose that desire for God. I want to tell you, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost again. You need to be on fire for Jesus. I don't want people coming here and just serving and doing their bit and leaving. Because God did not call you to do that. 
He called you to be a trailblazer. He called you to be someone who has effect and influence in every area of society that you're in. Hallelujah. Jesus. He renews our awareness of the world. He gives us a different perspective. He opens our awareness to things we didn't see before. You see, sin, things that you once saw before, they now become highlighted. These things are warning signs for you. And this is the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Saul begins to see differently. He sees things in a different perspective. I was looking on social media this week and someone posted on one of the social media apps this little video and I watched this video of this, they spent the time getting this view of a microscope watching a fly, very, very close up, a normal house fly. And when it's on something, it said, this is what a house fly is doing to your food when it's on it. And someone filmed it laying eggs and I'm like, I've never seen a house fly that close. This microscope was so close And I thought, all the flies are in our house at the moment. Made me feel a little bit different about eating anything. (laughs) You see, microscope level is not your normal level of looking at things. And I'm watching this film thinking, wow, that's amazing. And and do you know, when when I go to the museum sometimes, I take the children there and they go up to the microscopes and they're looking at things. It's amazing what you see because it's magnified. It's increased. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. If you're wondering what's happening, some of you right now, you've not given your life to Jesus yet. You've not given the, said the salvation prayer. Some of you are on that process, that journey. But do you know what's happening? The Holy Spirit is working in you. And all of a sudden, there's a magnification process going on. You begin to see things for what they aren't. The world, for what you thought it was, is no longer what it is anymore. And I want to encourage you, that's the power of transformation in the Holy Ghost. That is where God begins to reveal things. And show you things. Now, it's a personal journey. If I'm in a museum and my kids, they're on the, on the focus thing. If I go to have a look at what they've looked at, I have to change the focus. It's a personal thing. It's a personal thing. The Holy Spirit is going to do an individual work. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell, do you know what it says? Tongue, it says fire came down and then it separated on each of them. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit, when he works in individual lives, it's a separate flame. Same flame, separate. He will work individually. Some of you are on a different journey to others. You might walk into church some Sunday and think, that holy Joe in the corner looks like he's burning. He looks like he's on fire for Jesus. She looks like she's on fire for Jesus. My flame's a little bit low. Let me tell you, if you've got a flame, it can get bigger. It can get bigger. You just need to get into the presence of God. Surrender your life so that he can bring That flame, even bigger in our lives. It's important we protect the Holy Spirit's focus. This new perspective he gives us. Because, listen, it's it's quite easy. The devil, when you begin to see things differently in transformation, when God is doing things. And listen, you might be saying, well, I'm not a new Christian. You can have been a Christian 15, 20 years. And the devil comes in and thinks, ah, I've got this person right where I need them. They're just doing the normal things every week. They're surviving Christians. They're, not, they're, they're living in survival mode. This is a great opportunity to change the focus. This is a great opportunity for them to start to see in the old way of things. I'm going to start to change their focus. Let's look in Genesis. Great example here in Genesis chapter 3. 
Because Satan comes and he says this, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Any tree. Did he really really say that? Do you know one of Satan's biggest tactics is to blur the lines? To blur the lines. To blur it so much that you start to see things differently. And actually you've been a Christian 15, 20 years. At one time you were on fire for Jesus. Then all of a sudden things are starting to change and the lines are getting blurred. You're losing focus. You have, you've not seen differently for a while because you've not been to the Holy Spirit and had a new prescription. The lines get blurred. Eve's response to Satan is this. God said, don't eat from the tree that's in the what? The middle of the garden. The King James Version says the midst. Do you know what, what we see here? That Eve is so specific She's so specific in saying, hang on, you're saying, you're trying to blur my focus here. You're trying to blow my vision on what is right and what's wrong. But, but God gave me a specific geographic location. It's, it's greater than Google and it's so specific. It's the one in the middle, in the midst, right in the middle of where we're living here. He said that one. And, and yeah, he didn't, he, he's not talking about just general truth. He said that one. You see, God is so specific and accurate and precise that when the Spirit of God gets hold of you, He'll begin to show you with better than 4K. He'll give you great detail. He'll give you specifics of what's good and what's bad for your life. Some people are so bent on saying, is is this a wrong thing when you're a Christian and what's right and what's wrong? Listen, the Holy Spirit will show you. I just sometimes wonder when people start debating with me about what's right and what's wrong, what what Jesus believes about certain sins. Listen to me. You just get in the presence of the Holy One. Then come and talk. Then come and talk. And don't just say you've been zapped. Get into the presence of the Holy One. You'll begin to see the way that He sees. And let me tell you, some people say, oh no, things have changed now in a different culture. No, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Stop trying to change the one who doesn't change. Because he never changes. What he says remains. His word remains. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Don't touch it. Or you'll die. So specific, but yet the devil comes and what does he do? Did God really say? You know, is it just generally? And that's what he does. He tries to blur the lines. Let me tell you today that trees like this still exist in your life today. And do you know what? A lot of people as Christians think that they, they get into this position of religiosity and, and, and legalism where they think that they've controlled their lives so much that all sinful things are just in this certain area and you've kind of got this holy area that you live in. Listen to me. Your life every day, there are trees in the middle of it. There's trees always in the middle. Always in the middle. 
No, 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 I've got it all sorted. I have my, I really am fire for Jesus. 90% of my life is just on fire. And then there's just these things, you know, sometimes I, I do these things I don't like doing, but it's kind of going to this private place, do that. These are, 10% of my life's a bit contaminated, but now listen to me. Every area of your life, the devil is always planting trees. In the middle in the middle. You've got to be prepared to know where these things are. You've got to say, God, I understand there's temptations right in front of me. Do you know that there's trees in church? You come in this church sometimes, some people, you're looking lustfully at people. You look at someone, don't, don't come to, to me telling me that you're, as soon as you walk over the threshold of this place, that all of a sudden the presence of God's on you and you're so holy. Listen to me, when you come in here, the devil is using things. And he's trying to get you to see other trees. Some of you are going through difficult relationships. And there's marriages affected. And the, the devil's trying to put trees even in church. In the middle. In the midst. Don't blur the lines. Keep your focus. Keep your focus is transformation by the Spirit will give you a different awareness. Paul says this. He says, I'm afraid that you may receive a dis- different spirit from the Spirit which you receive. You see, Paul understood that sometimes we can be affected by other spirits. I don't, have you ever been around some people and you just, there's something about their spirit that affects you. I want to just encourage you that the Holy Spirit is like a dove. And sometimes you can get around the wrong people and the Holy Spirit, it's not that he leaves. The the Bible says that God never leaves us or forsakes us, but the Holy Spirit will just gently move away from certain situations. There are things in your families, there are things in your life. And sometimes you've got to say, God, you know, the primary thing I want is, I know I feel like arguing sometimes with different people. I know I feel like putting my matter before people. But listen, I want to encourage you today. Make sure the Holy Spirit is foundation in your families. Make sure that that dove is ever present in your homes, your workplaces. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. I love that. When he, the spirit of truth. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. There's so much lies and fake news. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hearing fake news. What is real? You've got to work out more of the time what's real and what's not now. But when he, the spirit, comes of truth, He guides us into all truth. It brings transformation in our lives. You know, years ago when I was a a really young lad, my dad, if anyone ever remembers the VW Beatles, the old ones, my dad used to have a big bright orange one and he once took me to a shop to, he was buying some things at a motor store and uh, we were driving back and I'd asked my dad if I could have something in the motor store and my dad said to me, no, you can't. I've not got the money. And as a young boy, I was so angry. Like, Dad, I want this thing. And I was sat in the back of the car. And if some of you remember the, the VW Beatles, they used to have like a, a long seat in the front. And my dad was sat in the front, driving away. And he was coming towards a roundabout. And then all of a sudden, do you know what I thought I'd do? Because I was only young. I thought, do you know what I'm going to do? My dad won't buy me this thing. I'm going to cover his eyes up. <laughs> See how he likes that? 
I mean, can I, I'm glad the children are not here. And adults don't try this at home. But do you know what I did? I, I, I look back to this day, my dad laughs at it, but actually the result of it could have been horrendous. He's driving towards a roundabout. I even know where the place is. I was very young. And I said, Dad, I want this thing. I'm screaming in the back of the car. My, dad's, my, my dad never expected the next move from me would be to cover his eyes completely whilst he was driving. And I'll never forget what he did because it's just, it's always in my mind that all he could do was, as he drove, he shake his head. He said, what are you doing? And he shook his head until I let go. And then I realized when I was a little bit older what I'd done. See, I didn't realize how bad it was. But some of us, do you know, sometimes we're letting the people, the wrong people in our cars of life. We're letting the wrong people in the back seat. We're letting the wrong people get in and begin to change our way until actually what happens is we lose so much focus that we end up with scales on our eyes again. We cannot see. How many of you heard them songs? I was blind, now I see. Jesus came to open blind eyes physically to, tell, to show you that he can open them spiritually. It's very, have you ever thought about that? One of the, one, some of the greatest miracles that Jesus did, he showed the blind eyes being opened, the deaf ears being opened. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I don't read through it and find all these specific different cancers. All I see is blind eyes. Deaf ears, the lame walking, the dead coming to life. That's because Jesus is trying to send us a signal. Yes, I can do everything, but I'm trying to give you a prophetic picture of what I've come for. To open your eyes to see clearly. To open your ears to hear the truth. That the, the dead things in your life can come back to life. Those who have been stagnant in their faith, you can walk again. You've been on your mat, lame, in your sin. You can walk again freely and walk in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus didn't do all the... Jesus can do whatever he wants. But he always used these things. Because why? Because healing bodies was always to point to something more powerful. Always to show the life that he gives. Hallelujah. Some of us need to shake off. Shake off those things that are covering our eyes. You've got to shake it off and say, God, I want to get your spirit back alive in me. I'm going to fan into flame. I'm going to shake off this stuff so I can begin to see again. The scales would fall from my eyes. Number two, Holy Spirit renews our ambitions for the world. Do you know what? I, I just love this. That Saul, for three days, three days, is blind. He's been persecuting Christians. He's been a terrorist. But then it says in verse 20, and this is hope for all you people out there. At once, he began to preach. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. He preached that Jesus was the Son of God when three days before he was telling people to blaspheme the name, was obsessed in being in opposition to the name. 
that everything against Jesus, now in three days, in the transformation of the power of the Holy Spirit, he now is preaching. I've got some good news for you today. Some of you right now, you've been through some tough situations. You've been through some difficult things. Listen to me. There's going to be some at-onces in your life. Where the Holy Spirit is going to take hold of you, and when he gets hold of your life, when you allow him to fill you, you're going to do things that you never thought you could do before. Come on. You're going to, you're going to some, there's some preachers in this room. There are people that, that are going to be used by the power of the Holy Ghost at once. I mean, how can you change and transform so much like that? I said it earlier that some of us, we go on a, on a three-year three degree at Bible college to learn things. And I don't put Bible colleges down because it's good to learn things. But listen, he didn't have time to do that. Three days. When God gets hold of you. Listen to me. There are some people of influence in this room that God's going to use. God is going to send to nations. There are preachers, teachers, evangelists, worshippers, prophets going to be raised up by the power of the Holy Spirit in the season to come. And listen to me, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by His Spirit. It's by the fire of God. Listen, I want people in our church that are on fire for Jesus. I want people who are so inebriated in the presence of God that you're coming to me and saying, I want to preach. I want to do this. The Lord's put this on my heart. I'm on fire. Do you know what? I can always tell when someone comes to me and they're on fire. I can always tell when someone, the presence of God is so upon them that I just know that when they bring what they're going to bring, it's going to touch people. Some of us need to, listen, don't try and get the platform, get into the presence. Get into the presence so that you're changed, so that God can do what he wants to do in your life. It says that all of those who heard Paul, verse 21, were astonished. They were astonished. Now these people have been following Jesus. They're like, hang on a sec. You are the worst person. You are the one. You don't have the credentials we've got. We hung around with Jesus. Why is it that all of a sudden you're preaching? You can't preach. You can't do this. It says they were astonished and asked this. Isn't this the man that raised havoc in Jerusalem? What they did is they looked at the context of, 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 of Saul. They, they thought, hang on. This is someone who's got a very, very bad history. This is someone who all they did was raise havoc. But now he's raising the name of Jesus. This is someone who raised havoc and problems. And listen, I just sense this this morning, just to say that there are some people here today that actually you've come from a havoc situation. You've come from situations in your life around you that actually you're saying, I don't know if I can springboard from that situation and do what God has called me to do because my life is havoc Everything that's happening around, the stuff I did in the past, if people really knew what I'd done, if people knew the sins I committed, they wouldn't be interested in me being used. But listen, God likes to take people who raise havoc. He likes to take them and he likes to transform them and so that he can use them for his glory. Hallelujah. So I just sense that today. There are people in this room. There's havoc situations going on right now. 
in your life. You're telling yourself, do you know what? I don't know if I can do these things for the Lord. I don't know if I can evangelize for Jesus. I don't know if I can do these things. Listen, it's not by might or power, it's by his spirit. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit can do more in three days than you'll ever do in a lifetime yourself. What did he do 2,000 years ago? Jesus goes, just like Paul, three days. He's away. Three days, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross and he's buried in a tomb. He dwells in a tomb so that the Holy Spirit can dwell in you. So that he goes three days. Listen to me. You can learn very, very quickly. If you surrender to the Lord, give your life to Jesus, he'll fill you with his spirit immediately. And at once you will start to do things you didn't do. But it's all about surrender. It's all about surrender and obedience to Jesus. In John chapter 15, verse 26, he says, The spirit, he says, Jesus said to his followers, I will teach you, the spirit will teach you all things. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's amazing. What Jesus is saying is this. That the Holy Spirit will be your best teacher. Now some people are running around to all these theology courses. And all these training courses in theology. And I get it. But listen. That is essential. Because we've got to remember. We've got to remember this. That yes. Saul did what he did, but he was a Jew, and he, he knew a lot of things. He knew the Torah, so he'd done his studying. So don't dismiss that. So it's important we study. But he takes what he had, and he gives it a new dimension when the Spirit of God comes upon him. But some of us, sometimes, we're trusting in that ability too much. And I want to encourage you today that the Holy Spirit wants to shift you, move you into a new season. Where you begin to rely on what the Spirit of God's going to do in your life. <clears throat> when we went out into the streets just recently, some of you were out there with us. And I, I was stood and I know, uh, is it, I was, we're on the streets and I saw a preaching. And I'm like, you were on the School of Evangelism course just a few weeks ago. And, she, and, and, and then she's up there speaking on the mic. We were out in the middle of town. and I said it just the other week. When I got up, I was fearful. But when I took hold of the mic, The fear went because the Holy Spirit met me in my faith. And I begin to realize something. What? This is not a problem. We have the authority in this city to declare the goodness of God. Come on. And so I started to believe that actually there's a new ground we're going to take in this city. We're not going to preach at people. We're going to preach love on people. But it comes. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've raised havoc in bad choices in your life. People are looking at you saying, no, no, no. You listen to people around you. Family members are saying, you know, you can't, you can't be an evangelist. You can't preach. You can't do that. Look at who you used to be. Look at the havoc you've caused in your family. Some of you can't forgive yourself. You can't move on. But listen to me. God takes people who raise havoc to raise his name. Hallelujah. Come on. I'll just say today the tuition fees are paid for you. In 1997 when I came to university, praise Jesus, I just missed the year when tuition fees came in. All you students out there, 
I came in, it's like, praise God, next year it comes in. I, no, 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 no disrespect to you, but I was like rejoicing in the Lord. No tuition fees. Listen, Jesus paid your tuition fees on the cross. He paid them on the cross so that you can learn from him. His spirit, it's not just a power and a force. It's a great helper and teacher and comforter and encourager. Hallelujah. Some of you are saying today, I'm not capable though. Do you know what? This is a real problem today. People come to church week in, week out. And they're battling through the week with who they are, their identities, the problems, the situations you're in. And the devil is trying to tell you that you are not capable of doing these things. You're not good enough. You're not confident enough. You know, I was so blessed last week to see Ignite coming up and preach. Weren't they amazing? Come on. Some people will look at those, those preaching and said, you know, I wish I could do that. You can. You can. By the Spirit of God. God will begin to do things in your life. But some of you are now saying, I'm not capable. I can't speak publicly. I can't speak confidently in front of people. Listen to me. I never liked preaching when I first started. I never liked to do it. But when God got hold of me, I began to realize it's not about what I want. It's what he wants me to do. And so I want to encourage you today. There's some people saying, I'm not capable. Do you know what? Moses is a great example of that. I want to show you something. Moses, Moses in, in Exodus, chapter, Exodus chapter 6, he says this. When God asks him to do things, he says, Why would Pharaoh listen to me, verse 12, since I speak with faltering lips? This is Moses' analytical view of himself. In other words, why would anyone listen to me, what I've got to say, because my speech is not that good? Now you've got to remember, he's a man who also raised havoc. In Exodus chapter 2, he kills an Egyptian. He's raised havoc. This guy has not got a good history. So he looks and he could sit there in in Exodus chapter 6 and say, do you know what? I don't know if I've got the ability Already God's given him a staff and saying, you're going to do these things. And, and listen, he's, he's looking, thinking, Exodus chapter 2, I killed someone. My life is just not strong enough to hold what God is saying he wants me to do. And by the way, God, I can't speak very confidently. I want to show you something. Because listen, you've got to stop listening to your own view of yourself. Stop it. Stop it. The devil wants you right there. Your ambitions will never move on if you listen to yourself. You'll never do anything for the glory of God if you listen to your own voice. Moses is saying, oh, I'm a man of faltering lips. Listen to me. This is why it says in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen gives his speech to the Sanhedrin just before he's executed. It says this. Check it out. Verse 22. This is what Stephen speaks of Moses. He says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Hang on a minute, Stephen. You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. No, no, Moses said to us in Exodus 6 that he's not a very good speaker. But you're telling us that he was so wise and intelligent and 
so powerful in speech and action. I'll tell you why. Because when God gets hold of you, he will do more with the impression of his spirit on your life than the confession you have on your life. Some of us have got a wrong confession. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Stop saying that. Stop saying I can't. My, when I used to be in school, I used to every I used to have to mix this colour when I was a really young boy, and they used to say paint Father Christmas. I can never mix the red for Father Christmas that they wanted me to mix. I said I can't do it. The teacher would come and say, "There's no such word as can't." I'd say, hang on, there is. I can't do it. Can't, what do you mean can't? I can't do it. Some of you, I can't do it. Stop confessing that over your life. Stop confessing what you cannot do. Say, God. You told me I can. You said I can. So I'm going to go with your impression over me rather than my confession over myself. Hallelujah. Can I just say to if you carry on running like that, you'll never do anything for the Lord. But let me tell you, if you do and change your confession to God's impression of you, listen, this is what will happen. People in the future, you'll leave a legacy just like we see here. Because Stephen, people will be saying, can you remember that person? What they did. I want to live like that. I want to live not trying to get, not trying to make myself feel better, but actually changing people's lives, going and touching lives with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they say it's not, it's not Phil, it's Christ in him, the hope of glory. Amen. Hallelujah. God is raising a generation of people burning with the Spirit, not skill. Burning with the spirit, not skill. Burning with passion, not profession. Come on. I want to be someone that burns with the passion for the spirit of God. The things of God, not my profession. You see, I don't want a job title. I don't just want to be the pastor of the church. I want to be someone who's alive to what God wants me to do. But I can live and say, oh, I'm not capable of doing the things that God says. God will always stretch you bigger than what you think. I mean, come on. He's going to stretch us far bigger than what we think. Some of you are in situations right now. God's saying it's time to stretch yourself to the next season in my spirit. When I was in Pakistan recently, I walked down for breakfast one morning. And the, the pastor I went with sat there with a, a couple of pastors who he'd met. He'd set up a meeting. These people are under severe persecution. And they sat there and I came down for my coffee and my breakfast. And I, did, I wasn't supposed to be in this meeting. And he said, come and join us, Phil. This is the pastor from the UK. So I sat down with them. He says, come and join us because these pastors, because they're working here. And they started to tell me some of the things that they're doing under severe persecution from Islamic areas. And I sat and listened. And I must admit, I thought to myself, goodness me. I thought that I, thought that I was moving in the spirit. But these. She said, we were asked the questions about things. And she said, God will show you by his spirit. And I realized that they were so in tune with the spirit. And, he, and, and I was so... I was just so interested in this that I was like, I want what they've got. Do you know what? That comes through persecution. When people are persecuted, they press into the presence of God more. And I'm sat around this table and thinking, I don't, I don't deserve to eat with you. I felt like that. And then the pastor from the UK says this. He said, when he introduced me, he says, this is Phil from the UK. He's a prophet. I'm like, no, I'm not a prophet. I've just come down for my bacon eggs and a glass of orange and I'm off. I am not a prophet. I am not who you say I am. 
He said he's a prophet. He, he just trying to big me up so that they, and I, I sat there through the whole breakfast. I thought, I don't believe he said that. I don't believe he's introduced me as that. My confession, I said, I'm not, I'm not going to go with this. They, they're just, they're under severe persecution. He's telling, he's introducing me as a prophet. I sat there, I ate my breakfast and I listened to them and I listened to what God was doing in their churches and their lives. And I got towards the end and they said, they said, let's pray. And they held hands together at the table and boy, boy, oh boy, the presence of God touched that table. I'm like, wow, man, there's no keyboard here, but this feels good. The presence of the Lord is here. And I saw them sat there and I just said, Lord, he's introduced me as a prophet. Give me a word. And I've just felt the Lord said this to me. He showed me as we were holding hands around this table. He showed me the lady and he said, that lady who you, you've just spoke to, he says, she has been battling for land Tell her that I will give it her. And that's all, that's all I, I had. I didn't have a special word. I didn't have a Bible scripture. I just, I thought, are you sure? Is that what you're saying? I saw her literally beating the ground, fighting in prayer for some ground. And I looked at her and I said, I just feel that the Lord wants to say this. And I'm like stepping out in faith. I said, the Lord says to you that the, the, the land you've been battling for, he's going to give it to you. She, she started to cry. Her son was with her. They cried. And I'm like, wow. She said, listen, she goes, that's all we're doing at the moment. We've been battling for years for some land. We're under severe oppression, but we feel like giving up. You've just confirmed the word of the Lord to us today. Hallelujah. Now, I realized, I realized that I felt, listen, I, I didn't feel good when I sat there. I, didn't, I felt inadequate. I didn't feel confident. I thought these people are far more close to the Lord than I am today. All I'm thinking about is my bacon and eggs. I'm just not ready for this. By the way, you need to be ready at all times. All times. And I realized that. Because I came down and I had no way of ministry on my mind. I thought, I'm just going down, I'm going to eat. But God will use you by His Spirit at any given time. He's looking for people who are burning with His Spirit, not skill. And finally... I'm going to come to finish. The Holy Spirit renews our affiliations in the world. Not just our awareness, not just our ambitions, but our affiliations in the world. Listen to me. When the Holy Spirit transforms your life, he will change your relationships and the people around you. Come on. Listen, have you thought about this? When Saul did what he did and he's transformed in three days, do you know his whole social media network of family changed? His friends, he'd have been defriending. No, I'm not, I'm not hanging around with you now. I'm with these boys. I'm with these guys. And all of a sudden, it says that Barnabas took him, took him back and he was with the disciples. They're all scared of him because they think this is the person he used to be. They don't think he's part of the family. But listen to me. God brings all manner of people in. Some of the people you're sat next to in this room today, you're thinking, I wouldn't be friends with them normally. I've seen the way they are. But listen, God will connect people in the unity and the bond of peace. He'll bring people together and your relationships will change. Some of you right now need to ditch some relationships that are bad for you. What are you saying? We've got to love everyone. You have got to love everyone. But the Bible says don't be un, uh, unequally yoked. 2 Corinthians 6.14 For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Some of us have got the wrong friends around us. Some of us have got the wrong partnerships around us. Some of you right now are thinking, oh, is that a reason that I can leave my wife or leave my husband? No, it isn't. I know they might be a bit troublesome sometimes. 
But you've got to stick by them. Stick by them and love them. But listen to me. Friendships, connections. There are some people you thought were so holy around you. You thought that they were the thing of your future. Listen to me. If God is going to do something bigger in the next season in your life, you've got to change your relationships. You've got to change your connections because God shifts things and moves things around. You know, when these guys are about to move to London, I'm believing that they're going to meet and go into the next level, something that they couldn't do when they were with us. Because I, I don't think that, that we are the bee's knees, that this is all they can ever reach. I'm believing for them for even greater even Jesus had that same spirit about him. He says, I'm going to leave you with my spirit. He says, you're going to do greater works than I've done. I mean, that, what, what? this is Jesus. I believe for you, for greater things, greater things, that you are going to be stretched to another level. Come on, you've got to believe that. You've got to pray for them. They served here. Now we send them. We've got to believe God, take them to the next level. I want them to come back here and tell me I'm doing even greater than I was before. But relationships will change. People move on. But some of us now, we, we're still sticking with the same things. I, my, my son, he went to the, he was in a mini Olympics at the early part of the summer. And I went to watch him. And they did the three-legged race. And he was running in the race with his friend. His, his, his best friend. And he's running in this race. And they kept tripping up every few minutes. And in the end, they, they found it more fun to trip up together. I'm like, get up. We're not going to win the race. All these other kids were like really serious about getting the timing right. My son's like absolutely loving messing everything up. But have you noticed why that happens? It's because when three-legged race, you got two brains trying to function at the same time. And when you're unequally yoked with partnerships and things that are not seeing things in the same way that you are seeing things at the moment in this season in your life and God is taking you and stretching you and your capacity of the way you're seeing things differently now in the spirit what's happening is your mind you're renewing your mind there's a transformation you're understanding what God's will is for your life these things start to expand you and sometimes the people you're around are not on that wavelength and what's happening is you're attached to them and you don't leave them you don't separate from them because you you're so loyal to them I can't give up this that'll be disloyalty to you but the Lord saying it's time to move on because you can't run like I want you to run You've got two minds, two minds trying to work together and one of them is being renewed in a greater speed and level than the other. And I want to tell you, some of us have got to move on, move on into the next season because sometimes what happens is there's a conflict and one turns left, the other turns right and there's tension. Galatians 5.25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Hallelujah. And I just want to say that on, I mentioned it just a moment ago, marriages. Can I just say this to you? That marriages, do you know the most important thing that you've got to get, this is so essential, you've got to get right, is that if you want to, because it it is like a three-legged race, you've got two people become one flesh. You've got two minds. The only way you're going to get the minds thinking the same is if God is at the center and, and his word directs your life. The problem is this is what happens is in imbalanced relationships and marriages is, is that people lose sight of God's word and start to do it their own way. If you put God's word central, 
then you will both walk in the same tempo speed because you'll say, God is, he's directing our paths. His light is the lamp unto my feet, our feet. And I want to encourage you, some of you right now, you're finding difficulty in relationships. Ask each other this question. Is God the center of our relationship? Is God the primary foundation of our marriage? Because if he's not, then you will be out of sync. But I'm encouraging you, if you want to get that place where you really believe you're walking together, I want to encourage you to ask them this question. Each other, is God the center of our relationship? If the worship team could come back, that would be great. Hallelujah. Some of us are tied to the wrong people. Partnerships. Affiliations. You're affiliated to the wrong stuff. But God wants to transform these relationships. Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. A companion of fools suffers harm. I want to ask you a question today. What is hindering the renewal work of the Spirit in your life? Is it your awareness? Is it that you have got your eyes so fixed on other stuff that you've lost the perspective of God in your life? Is it your ambitions? Have you put your ambitions for what you want to do before God? Is, is your personal ambitions more important to you than what God wants for your life? <coughs> or is it your affiliations? Our relationships become more priority to you. Is trying to focus on relationships more of a priority than God himself? Do you know the, the renewal work of the Spirit in our lives, that transformation, Saul was so surrendered. He was so surrendered. In Acts chapter 26, it says that Saul, when he's recounted to King Agrippa, he says, I, I was, he says, after seeing this vision, I was obedient to the vision. I was obedient to the vision. In other words, it wasn't, listen to me, an experience with the Holy Spirit will not transform you. How many of you know, if you come to the baptism services we have, you can watch the baptism on the screen in HD downstairs. We put it on the TV. You can stand at a distance. But those who get in and get baptized and are immersed, they encounter God. There's an experience. But transformation comes from obedience when you get back up out of the water. Saul's life was transformed not by the experience, but by obedience. It's simply that. The experience opens his eyes to a new way. Obedience is what sustains it. Experience will never sustain you. I've been to loads of great meetings. I can remember them. Oh, the Lord touched me there and the Lord did this. But experience is not what sustains you. Experience will open your eyes to a new way. And obedience is what will sustain you. And some of us today, we're so looking at that the Holy Spirit is just an experience. That meeting was great. Listen, meetings are great, but we need the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives every day. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www 
www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.